Hello and welcome to another episode of Pyro Unleashed. Tune in weekly as Donnie and David discuss all things pyro, from the business aspect of the industry to technical tips and mesmerizing pyro designs. On Pyro Unleashed, we invite cutting-edge experts to the podcast to discuss their role in making this industry a success. So, sit back and unleash your inner pyro with us. Well, well, well. We are back. Episode 2. We did not get canceled after episode 1. We did not get canceled after episode 1. Oh, we, we made it to 2. We did. All right. Well, this evening we have uh, special guest Ed Vassell with Dominator Fireworks. How are you doing, Ed? I'm doing good. How are you doing, guys? Good, good. Uh, man, how's the weather by you guys? Beautiful. Beautiful. Winter storm watch yesterday, 65 degrees and sunny today. That's crazy. Yeah, we have not had like that kind of weather. It's been like mild, like 40s. So, But yeah, perfect. So... All right. Well, I guess uh, let's get a message from our sponsor. Uh, we have Muxboard sponsoring this podcast or this episode. Um, looking to connect more with e-matches in less time? Uh, Muxboard is your solution. Uh, whether you're using traditional or quick plug e-matches, uh, Muxboard offers an alternative to standard slats on the market. Customize your firing system and work smarter with slats, breakout boards, and conversion kits with muxboard.com that's m-u-u-x-b-r-d.com to improve your workflow and get the most out of your firing system as a muxboard um, for supporting the pyro unleashed uh, podcast uh, muxboard is giving away a free quick split breakout board for your, your next order between march 31st if you mention pyro unleashed podcast when you place your order Again, go to muxboard.com slash unleashed for more details. So awesome stuff there, man. Huge I appreciate shout out that. Out there to Muxbird. They have uh, some some quality products. I, I personally have, have used them. So he's got some good stuff over there. So definitely yeah, I have. Yeah, they're absolutely wonderful. I think you guys, uh, you had them out on your uh, show at Skywars this last year, didn't you? We had a few out there, yeah. We had, we had a few little splits out there, yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. All right. Well, Ed, um, let's start off. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, how you got in the business of fireworks and how long you've been in. Man, I think the story starts probably pretty similar for everybody. You can go all the way back to your childhood, right? I think most of us probably got involved with uh, fireworks when we were kids. Everybody had a crazy uncle or dad or somebody that did something they didn't, and we thought that was cool as hell. And we grew up and got a little money in our pocket and decided we want to try it. But uh yeah, I uh, loved fireworks as long as I could remember. Fourth of July, traditional stuff, you know, with the family. And I uh, had my own family, kept that going with my kids and got a little more serious into it. <clears throat> probably 20, going back 20 years, I probably took my first safety training class and started working with some local companies, doing some hand fire shows around town here in Missouri and stuff like that. And uh I had a contracting background at the back time or at the time and always trying to find better, safer, efficient ways of doing things. And on the consumer side, I developed, I believe, the first, it was kind of a hybrid rack, but it was mainly an aluminum construction rack. And um, one of the companies at the time that sold stuff online saw them, picked them up and 
started doing that and things just kind of have uh, snowballed from there and fast forward 20 years um 15 or 16 years in with Dominator Fireworks now and vice president of the National Firework Association. I actually started the Sky Wars event. I don't even know if you guys know that. What's now called I did Sky hear Wars. that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I remember uh, going to, well, it wasn't one of the first ones, but in 2015 when RKM did the closing display, uh, I remember going to the Valley and getting absolutely smoked out. That was that was crazy. Yeah, and I believe that was the that was the third or fourth location for that event. <clears throat> yeah, didn't that start out as a, almost a backyard event? It it was a backyard event. The very first one was in my sister's sister's uh, field. Yeah, we put the horses in the barn, and there was about twenty of us that showed up for the very that's first awesome. one. That's that's awesome. So that's crazy. Yeah, so uh, talking, you're talking about you, you were just, you know, you're a vice president on, on the NFA, you know. So if you can tell me, tell us a little bit more about the NFA. Like, what does the NFA do and, and how do they benefit the pyro community? Uh, National Fireworks was, gee, has been around for three, almost three decades. Maybe this is, that might, I need to check. That might even be our 30th anniversary this year. I'm not sure. But it was founded by Cam Starr. Um, Cam's known as the father of the 500 gram firework back in the 90s. They, he's the one who pushed to get those legalized. And there was some stuff going on at the legislative level, I believe, that there basically wasn't anybody, a voice in the industry to stand up and uh, speak out about it. So Cam and a group of people in the industry back then got together, started the National Firework Association, and it's evolved over the years into what it is today which is, uh, you know, most people, I think, think of the National Fire Association, and I did for a long time before I got involved, um, basically as a, a once-a-year expo and trade show, right, a convention that just traveled from city to city, and um, the Chinese would come over, and, and we'd get a first look at some of the new products for the year if you weren't going to China to see those things, if you weren't importing and certainly the biggest trade show in the industry still is, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, it's really evolved into, you know, we've got committees now, we've got a government affairs committee, membership committees, financial committees, uh, we've got representatives on the NFPA, um, so we're pretty involved uh, at the regulatory level, we stay in pretty close contact, we've got a great um, relationship with the Consumer Product Safety Commission, they actually reached out to us to do their PSA on safety for the 4th of July a couple years ago. The president at the time was Steve Hauser. Um, that video's out there where you can see him with Commissioner Peter Feldman. So um, pretty cool. Had a board meeting today, lots of stuff going on. Takes an unbelievable amount of planning to get that expo in, in the uh, off the ground and make everything happen. And that's going to be in Erie, Pennsylvania this year, am I correct? Erie, Pennsylvania, you are correct. Wonderful. And um, you were talking about committees. Um, I, I believe I've heard that there's a new veterans committee. Can you tell me about, a little bit about that? There is. We, have, we um, And so here's how that started. Interesting story. This was at the expo last year in Fort Wayne. And one of our members came up to us and wanted to know if there was anything that we could do to help or had any ideas for her to um, basically push back against her town that was looking to ban firework sales in the city limits of her town. And they were using veterans 
and PTSD and the, the disrespect factor or angle, you know, of fireworks to veterans. So I met with her about nine o'clock that morning and I said, give me a little while to, you know, ask around about this and I'll see if we can't do something. So it happened to be the day of our auction. So I went into our auction where we've got 600 or so people as a captive audience. And I just grabbed the microphone and got everybody's attention real quick and asked if we had any veterans that were NFA members. Well, not only did we have veterans that were NFA members, even better, we have veteran-owned firework businesses and companies. So I told them I'd like to have a meeting with them as soon as the trade show ended, if they could meet us in the registration room at four o'clock. Told them what was going on in this municipality. And, and by the end of the convention, found out that there was other places that this was happening in too. And, you know, the veterans, um, they, they took to this pretty quickly because their feelings are they fought for freedom, right? Right. And uh, they don't want to see freedoms taken away, and especially something like fireworks that's used to celebrate this country's freedoms at its core. So um, we formed a veterans committee that day, and it's uh, it's our newest committee. So they're still working on organization and goals and things like that. But we do have a page on our website that people can go to and uh, click on. And it's a super simple form. If, you, uh, if you're a veteran or know a veteran, let them know about it. And you can go and add your signature to that page because there was no data anywhere out there when these towns or municipalities would use this. It's one of those things that like, well, how, you know, PTSD, we know it's a real thing. And everyone, you know, has nothing but the utmost respect for our veterans. So how dare you speak against that? Well, it comes to find out that's actually not how the majority of veterans feel. And they don't want their name being used to ban something like fireworks. So once we, you know, we'd love to get this website to the point where we've got five or 10 or 50,000 signatures on it. And a year or two down the road, if this happens again, and there's a town trying to ban fireworks and they're using veterans or PTSD as the uh, basis of the, for their main argument, one, there will be data and an actual website we can go to and say, well, in fact, here's here's a page signed by thousands of veterans that say they're against what you're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and so you know, talking about the NFA, you know, you're talking about the expo coming up. Are, are those open to the public or do you have to be an NFA member to be able to attend? You have to be an NFA member to get into to, to attend it in any capacity. Yeah. And, and what does it constitute to be an NFA member? Like how does somebody become an NFA member? So there's three different, currently three different levels, levels of membership. The, uh, I guess we'll call it the lowest level. We call it the friend of fireworks. And I believe that's $75 and it gets you access to our um, electronic newsletters, which I believe we publish six times a year. As a friend of fireworks, you can purchase an expo ticket. And you're able to come to the trade show, which is well over 200 booths usually. And it's companies from all over this country, other countries, and a lot of the Chinese manufacturers come to the trade show. And then we have nightly product demos. Last year, we had 50 product demos over the course of the week. And yeah, it was second, almost... Our second membership tier is what we call an associate member. Those are the service industries that serve the firework industry, talking about logistics companies, point of sale companies, things like that, uh, packaging companies, trucking companies, things like that. 
And then the full membership are people who are in the firework industry. Those are our full voting members. They're the ones that actually get to vote on issues as they arise. Um, and then on, on the second and third levels, how much do those cost? Do you remember? I'll Google that real quick. I want to Perfect. say an associate member is two ninety five, and a full voting member is four ninety five. It's it's actually pretty inexpensive for everything that the NFA does, all the lobbying and things that that happen throughout the entire year. And, and, and if you're looking looking to support looking for the NFA to help support you in an action, or you want to get involved in the NFA and you're not a member. Um, is there, is there ways to reach out to the NFA via email, phone calls like that to, you know, voice, you know, some concerns or, or ask for assistance or just re- report some stuff or get some information? The best way for communicating with us is email. You can go to the website and hit contact us and shoot us an email. All right. Well, I know, um, you've been heading a, a cake that's been, uh, kind of, uh, been the talk of the social media pages, uh, from what I've seen, uh, cake called in the club. Yep. What's the status on production and arrival in the States? You know, I'm not sure on production, but that should be here for this coming 4th of July. Don't know if there's any in containers yet, but they're, they've been ordered and um, they're on their way here. Wonderful. I know I'm looking forward to get my hands on some. I think, uh, Donnie, you're actually the one that wrote that that question down. So I, I would say that you're pretty pretty excited about getting that one in. I mean, obviously, you know, being from KCAP, we have a, we have, we have a, a piece on on the label of it. So if we're excited, definitely to see it and yeah, you guys are on able to shoot and play with it. Yeah. yeah I, you guys are on well. I think we ended up with, I'm not sure the exact number where there's over 20 different clubs on the label of that cake. And when it gets here there, it'll have a QR code on it. that goes to a page on our website that lists all of the clubs that are on there. And you know, the, the idea and the thoughts behind that were, kind of interesting. The firework industry, we see it as a kind of an aging industry. Um, You don't see a whole lot of younger people getting into it uh, as a hobby or on a more serious level. If you look at sales records and the demographic, the people, there's there's a lot more 40-year-olds buying fireworks than there are people in their 20s, 30s. Some of that probably has to do with the fact that they're hitting their earnings years, I guess. But I also think that it's got to do with you know, just some of the social media posts that we see and people trying to, you know, push people away from fireworks and looking for alternative ways to celebrate. I don't know about you guys, but I've got no interest. And in, I saw one today actually about using glow sticks instead of fireworks. I've got no interest in going outside and throwing a dozen glow sticks in the air and expecting yeah, to get the all. same reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all. I mean, even the same controversy I, I, I foresee uh, starting to arise with uh, with drone usage. And I'm all for drones. I think they're great. I think they have their place. I think there's uh, some great collaborations that can happen with the drones. But I I don't I don't foresee drones taking over the firework market ever. Agreed. So, but they do pair well. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, and it's just it just I mean the cost prohibitation of you know, individual users to be able to you know have access to that kind of stuff is. Yeah, I, I think I was talking to somebody, and I think, uh, again, this has been a year ago, so prices probably even have gone up. But I think I was hearing a range for each drone in the in the number of about twenty two hundred dollars, and that doesn't include the software and all the programming and and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, that's a little steep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your average show would get. Uh, let's see, if they wanted to buy the drone, yeah, probably about twenty or thirty drones. So. 
Yeah, not not very many, that's for sure. I don't think those drone shows uh, for the big cities and theme parks and stuff like that are affordable even for most of the municipalities at this time. <clears throat> There's a lot of bread and butter firework displays on the 4th of July that happen, you know, in city parks and stuff like that all over the country that are fire, you know, they're less than $20,000 displays. And I'm not sure you can touch a drone show for that of any capacity anyway. So, yeah. so we were talking a little bit about, you know, talking about the end of club cake and the production and stuff like that, you know, on average, how long does it take to get products produced? So if you've got a brand new idea, like how long does it take to get that product produced you know, shipped and then made available for consumers to purchase. So from beginning to end, like, like what's that, what's that look like? What's that timeline, you know? So the, in the club cake, I think that started, I'd have to go back and look, but it actually started before the 4th of July last year as a concept. I do believe I, uh, I remember hearing that about that before. The yeah, 4th of July. yeah. And it's going to be a, it, it, it was a push. It's a special item. So it's getting a little bit of special treatment and push to get that here before 4th of July the following year. Um, it's a pretty safe bet to, if you want to develop something brand new before you see it here to give 18 months. Yeah. And I think we're seeing um, even on the ordering side, I'm, I'm sure you're obviously seeing this Ed, but um, I, I think companies are even asking for two or even up to three years out. Uh, if you can get your orders in yeah. um, for, for the next season. Yeah. Yeah, the industry's so. definitely uh, been changing, and every every year there's new challenges. But the the most recent thing is the domestic market in China has exploded. Um, the same thing that happened here when COVID hit, you know, everybody did what they what they call it a staycation. Everybody was afraid to travel instead of going on their normal vacations or whatever. They stayed home and barbecued and blew stuff up, which literally doubled the uh, firework sales during COVID that did not happen in China during COVID. They were closed down for another, I think a full year and a half, close to two years after we were. Once the once they opened back up over there, then the, the citizens of China did the same thing. The domestic market just absolutely exploded. And one stat that really kind of puts that into perspective is there's only a couple factories or powder lines over there that make uh, the majority of the black powder that goes into the lift charge, the birth charge, all this stuff. And the production, I believe it was going into the 4th of July last year. Our products were, you know, finished too late to get here on time. They were ramping up for their own domestic market. Doesn't matter when the timeline was, but there was a three, a 90 day period where the powder lines made more black powder than they did in the previous 12 months. And that was, wow. that was because of the increase in their domestic market. So do you see any pros coming from um, the increase in the domestic market at all? Because I, I know when I've taught, I've heard a couple conversations and uh, they've made mention that especially some of the novelties, they're producing more novelties for the domestic market. So do you foresee that we'll maybe see some of that uh, in the, the U.S. market? Possibly. The novelties have kind of been shifting lately. You're going to see a lot more of the plastic toys type stuff and things like that, which I think is kind of cool. You know, fireworks yeah, they have their or something, you, you light it and it's gone, right? But they've, they've gone a lot more towards the plastic toys and just shove a firecracker in it. So you get to enjoy the firework aspect of it. And then the kids have something to keep and play with afterwards. You, I guess wash the black marks off of it or whatever. And you, you got a souvenir or something you can keep and play with. But 
you know, I, I haven't seen this yet. I, there's definitely more negative because it's making it's going to make it tougher to get product here. They're going to give priority to their own production before they will the rest of the world. I think. Um, but, and that's understandable. Yeah, but if well, and it's it's so much easier for them. They don't have it, it cuts their paperwork by eighty percent. They don't have to do the testing. You know, they don't have to deal with uh, so much Waiting of that for stuff to sell it to the domestic market. Yeah, yeah, much yeah. much easier. And, and in some cases, they'll pay more for their own product than than what we're willing to. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, with that with that explosion and the demand and, and the hardies for good product, is there any ventures out there to look at other places to get product made outside of China? Is there other options out there that we could be looking at to be like, hey, there's just some better, some other countries that would be able to to do this type of production? The the short answer is no. The actual answer is yes. There's um, there's some production taking place in Brazil currently, and in let's see what year are we in in two thousand. The, the 22 to 23 fiscal season, I guess, or shipping season um, is when we were really getting caught up from the COVID deficit. When everybody sold down, their warehouses were emptier than they'd seen them in uh, over a decade. And during that time period, I, I want to say it was like 16,000 firework containers came into the U.S. Wow. I think one of them was from Brazil. Yeah. There was certainly less than ten that came in from other countries out of those sixteen thousand. So now is is that is that rules and regulations that would be make that prohibitive, or is it cost, or um, what, what are the roadblocks that we are seeing to not be able to get you know more production from other countries? They don't have the production capacity. Is it a, a case of um, space for production, or is it they is it something different? I don't have a real good grasp on the Brazil market. I know that it's a firework friendly, you know, they've, they've used fireworks for their own celebrations down there, but um, I would imagine the, the market here in the U S is exponentially larger than, you know, they're what they're used to consuming for fireworks down there. So a group of people have gone down there and, and worked with those factories and worked out a lot of the kinks and the bugs and the legalities of getting the fireworks made and getting legal fireworks produced for the U S and they're several years into it. Um, some of them I've seen have been pretty nice fireworks. I think that they've been limited to, uh, just a handful of cakes. I'm, I'm not sure. So I don't want to say too much on that and, and have it be gospel. There's uh, enough rumor mills in this industry, but yeah, they just don't like that kind of puts it in perspective is, you know, 16,000 containers and less than 10 of them came from other places than China. <clears throat> That's incredible. Wow. So uh, another question, do you foresee an increase with production uh, with 25 being a uh, 4th of July being on a Friday? And then uh, maybe many people haven't thought about it, but 2026 is not only a Saturday, but it's America's 250th birthday. Yeah, 250th birthday. We think the next three years are going to be pretty good for fireworks sales in the U.S. You know, we got we skip we got leap year, so we go straight to a Thursday this year. A lot of people will take Friday off and make that their three or four day weekend. And the good thing is, is if they shoot on Thursday night, if they stick to tradition and shoot the fireworks on the 4th of July, they'll probably be jonesing to do it again by Saturday night or Sunday night, and maybe head back to the retail stands and, and, and pick up some more stuff before the weekend's over. Next year, we go to Friday, and then, yep, 26th, or is it 27th, the 250th? 
2026. Or 20, is it? Yeah, 26, yeah. 26, yeah. Yeah, 2026, yeah. 26, yeah, so. 250th anniversary. So we've already, you know, we're already working on developing uh, products that address that and appeal to that event. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I know I've talked to several store owners myself, um, and, and they're actually already ramping up um, their purchases for the 2026 uh, season. Um, for one, it, it does save them on, uh, on their bottom end, but then also, you know, they're going to make more money and, you know, there's always the case that they might not get their product. Um, yeah. And again, I, I, I foresee 26 being a, a pretty crazy year when it comes to fireworks. Yeah. And we, we think that, um, you know, we just talked about the warehouses getting restocked after COVID massive orders went to China to, to try and get restocked. A lot of the bigger um, distributors will try to keep a two to three year supply on hand in case there's some bad bad years with supply or any number of things that could happen. Um, and China really delivered when those big orders came in the last couple of years. Containers were, you know, coming over like crazy, 16,000 of them a year and a half ago. So it, it almost seems like the um, importers here in the U.S., they filled their warehouses back up. They didn't have room to put any more product in some cases. So orders have gone back down to China. The, the orders are smaller. But I don't think that that's, that surplus that's here in the States now is going to last too long. Because of the domestic market, things are going to be a challenge getting, especially on certain items, even going into uh, this season, 2024. And um, I think... The, that we'll start to see the orders going back up. It's like you said, David, some people have already started working towards that. And that's, that's smart to think that far ahead. Yeah. And I guess that's even something that I've tried to push a little bit too. Uh, not just because I you know, obviously want to make sales this season, but I mean, it does help get the ball rolling and people thinking, you know, gears thinking um, when it comes to the upcoming seasons for sure. And just kind of, you know, talking about, you know, talking about product availability and kind of what's, what's to come. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk out there about ProLine classification and the future of, of ProLine and where that stands. Um, from your eyes, Ed, you know, and from the aspect of, you know, dominating or something like that, like where does your guys' ProLine stand as far as, you know, the new classifications that are been discussed out there and just the availability of product? Availability is fine. Um, getting it here, getting it produced, getting it here is not an issue at all. It's going to be here. We, we don't, what's kind of in limbo is uh, how it's going to be, how, if and how it's going to be regulated going into the next couple of years. Uh, there will be, be some big discussions on that next week um, at the APA conference in Las Vegas. There were some discussions on it in November. It was a topic uh, with the NFPA in Boston. There is a, a special task force, a committee some people in the industry who are on that and watching it. And I think a lot of people have been looking up to the federal government to see what's, what's ATF going to do, you know, what's DOT going to do. Um, is CPSC going to have anything to say about this? But I think we might need to be looking the other direction at our local and uh, state offices. The state fire marshals have really been leading the charge on this stuff. They've got insurance companies, uh, I think on their side and we're, you know, we're watching it closely uh, as a company, the dominator, and certainly with the national fire association 
to try and stay ahead of it and try and guide those conversations and uh, stop things from happening before they, they get out of hand. And it, it hurts the, especially the hobbyist crowd. I mean, you know, the, the hobbyist crowd are basically the, I see them as a farm club for the future of displays in this country. And, you know, I've been in it long enough now that I've seen several people go from a hobbyist level to successful display company owners. Yeah. And, and those of us who are kind of in that hobbyist range where we're, we're shooting with, with clubs that we do shoot a lot of, a lot of pro line type of products and not all of us have storage or, or your licenses and, and stuff like that, you know, is there an, an avenue that we can actually maybe, you know, um, help to maybe, you know, push the efforts, you know, maybe reach out to certain people to kind of you know, express our, our concerns, our desires to, to, to keep this, you know, somewhat readily available and, you know, maybe, you know, some, some ideas around safety training and stuff like that, that should be, you know, maybe the, the, in place for that, but still make sure that it is available for us. Not at this time, but there may be, may come a time and it might be this year that we reach out um, when some public comment periods become available. And if that happens, we will certainly push that out to all the socials and um, have an opportunity to get as many signatures in favor of keeping this, I don't want to say legal, but, you know, readily available for hobbyists who are willing to take the proper avenues and get the training to use this type of product. And unfortunately, you know, I, both of you guys, I know both of you guys shoot pyro musicals and appreciate the art side of fireworks. Um, and, and the two products here are kind of getting lumped together. You know, we used to call a salute cakes when they'd end up in a consumer situation overloads. And some people think those lines have been blurred now because for a while they were allowed to be brought in as 0336. That's their UN designation, UN 0336 consumer fireworks. But um, that I think that's going to change here pretty quick and that won't be allowed anymore because they realized that that got abused pretty badly. And But what it did is it it lumped things like gerbs and comets and mines and sweeps and slices and all these things you could use to create these beautiful scenes and professional power musicals. Um, and at some of the great events that you see around the country, it lumps them into the same, it lumped them into the same category as a hundred shot salute cake, you know? So we're, we're trying to make sure that uh, some of these things remain available to those who are willing to take the right avenues. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, from, from our side of the hobbyists and from a club, I mean, we're, we're definitely in support of any additional training that might be required for, for ProLine products. I mean, we all agree that there is no training out there really for ProLine. You have your, your basic PGI training, which is more geared towards one, three. And, you know, we're definitely in favor of, you know, if there is additional training that could be put together to help facilitate, you know, so I, just to keep the ProLine stuff available. The direction that I'm seeing that going, there's not going to be, some there was some discussion on a training class just for this type product, but I think where it's going to end up is the like the PGI DOC is being revamped right now to be more inclusive of this type product. Um, we're not for making it as easy as possible to get your hands on this type of product, and and you know really it all comes back to basic bracing, setup, blocking. But the biggest thing is respecting any match. If you look back at, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, injuries and accidents over the last couple decades, a lot of the tragic events that have happened can be traced back to a 
33 cent e match. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just going along exactly that same line. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, your your most dangerous fireworks really are going to be your your sparklers and this, that, and the other. It's not. It's it's stuff that you wouldn't think about. So, uh, got to be cautious and respect uh, the hobby in a whole. Um, everything can be dangerous, and and I mean we we live for the thrill. So, you know, just stay safe and uh, you know have fun with it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so looking at, uh, the year coming forward, uh, what events and shows has dominator donated product to or sponsored for this year? Uh, I know behind the scenes Ed, we've talked a little bit about some stuff. Uh, what, what, have, uh, what, what things have you guys donated over the years? Uh, talk a little bit more about that if you could. Yeah, I'll go all the way back to the, the conception of dominator fireworks. Matt Palazinski that owns the company lives full time in China. Matt was a past PGI judge. He was a member of many of the clubs, knows all the big builders. Uh, you know, he, he, he built stuff and he came up with his own formulas and he was just very passionate about it. Like I said, he was a judge at the PGI for a time. Um, and, you know, we, I started um, what's now known as Skywars and Blind Pyro and, and the competitions were all conceived by a small group, group of guys that made that happen. And it's it's just always kind of been about giving. You know, I, I put my time in, I scripted some shows, we shot some big shows, but we really get more joy from giving others the opportunity to do that. So uh, let's see, we're, uh, we've, we've got product donated this coming weekend at Western Winter Blast. We've got product. I think somebody's helping us do an anthem or something at CobraCon this year. I've heard uh, heard a rumor or two about that. Yeah, he's done <laughs> there before for us and done a great job with it. Thanks, yeah, David. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I hear the mass launch is coming back to Skywars this year. We may have something to do with that. I would love to see that. I'm excited for that. Um, we, every year try and donate to the JPA, the Junior Pyrotechnics Association at PGI a fair amount, as well as, um, you know, uh, Mick Layden did the national anthem for us at the PGI last year. And for those that flag, don't know, that was the, the flag, yep, PGI. flag with our meteors. Um, and that's been copied a couple of times already, you know, so, and that's, we really, I'm usually the one working with those people and, and David, you can hopefully attest to it. I try and be as supportive as I can without inhibiting anyone's creative freedom. For sure. Yeah. I mean, love to see other people's ideas and just support them, whatever, whether it's firing system crew, you know, helping find product that is on the other side of the country, but they really want three of these mines. If we can make it happen, we try and make that happen for them. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I know even when I was, uh, we were emailing back and forth about the national anthem for uh, CobraCon, and I was like, "Hey, we have a couple different ideas. You know, product was we have we have a slower national anthem, we have a medium one, and then we have a pretty rocky one that's like a minute and a half long. And if we do that one, we're gonna go buck wild on it." And you're like, "Just do whatever." So I think uh, we're looking at uh, roughly 650 cues in a minute and a half, or something in like a that. Minute so, and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think there's three cakes in the whole thing. It's just all single shots. So we're, we're really looking forward to it. Um, and, and I think I appreciate too. Uh, 
I, I've even asked, you know, do you want to see the script before we do it? And you're just, just, just shoot it. I, it's, that's fine. Yeah. So. If it's someone we've worked with before, we know well and trust them, then that's, that's usually the case. But if it is somebody we're given an opportunity for the first time, um, then we'll, you will usually ask to see the script and hear the soundtrack. And, you know, we want to make sure things are kept at a pretty, pretty high level of production and professionalism and things like that. Not only yeah. for our product to look good, but because we've been involved with these events over the years and at almost every different level, um, you know, we just want to make sure we're doing our part to make each event as successful as possible. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, um, I guess I did have a question for you. Um, I, I know that, uh, Chinese new year just happened about two weeks ago. Um, about how long until they start producing the the product for the domestic market? Or, I'm sorry, not the domestic market for for the American market. Well, it doesn't matter. If in, in so Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year in China is a big deal, and a lot of the people who work in these firework factories they that's not where they live. It's not their hometown. So a lot of them go home. Uh, you know, think of it as Christmas or Thanksgiving here in the U.S. I think you know that's the biggest travel days of the year. Everybody, you know, if you're off to college or you ended up in another part of the country, you go home to see the parents, families get back together. That's, that's kind of what happens there. So a lot of them leave the factories basically shut down. There may be a skeleton crew keeping a few things going here or there. Um, but it takes a, a weeks for them to filter back in. And once they do, um, it can take a month or more for production to actually get back to normal levels after Chinese New Year. And sometimes that's because the powder isn't there. Sometimes, um, you know, we'll hear production's back up and running, but that might just mean the powder lines are producing powder again. And it's going to take 10 days for that to get filtered out into the factories in the hills so that they can actually start doing their part of the production process there. And is uh, cardboard and clay becoming an issue to get to for, for fireworks? I haven't heard of any issues on cardboard and clay. And then just, just something we talked about a little bit little early about, you know, about get, getting Dominator product and stuff like that. So, you know, if I'm looking for specific products and my local wholesaler or retailer does not, doesn't care what I'm looking for, um, is there a way or some place to reach out where I can locate items I might be looking for specifically if I'm looking for some specific effects or that might not be carried locally around me, but maybe it's available some other places? Well, I would say go to our website and look at our dealers list, type in your address. we got a nice little Google Maps thing there that'll show uh, dealers around the country, but just do what everybody else does. Shoot us a message on Facebook. Apparently, apparently people live on Facebook now and they just uh, <laughs> use Facebook Messenger to shoot us questions. You know, back to the, uh, what, what, are, what are we donating to this year? We really wish we could help everybody that asks, but um, it's gotten to the point where we can't, you know, it's just, it's so much. And uh, it, they're, they're, they're not small donations when they get made in a lot of cases. And um, we'll, we'll have probably a, a handful of individuals who have reached out this year that uh, we just unfortunately can't help everybody. Yeah, that's completely I mean, understandable. You've got, how many events are they in the industry now? You know, we, I believe I just published, um, I believe we'll be at like 13 different events this year. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. What does your wife think about that? 
Because I know what my wife thinks about it. Uh, if there, <laughs> if there's palm trees or sunshine or something shopping, she'll she'll tag along and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I know we've seen her at several events last year, and that was that was a good time. So yeah, she I'm we're heading to Winter Blast. I think I'm leaving Thursday or so for Winter Blast. She's she's not going. Granddaughter's yeah, got yeah. a birthday party Saturday. That trumps uh, travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. So. All right, Don, you got any more questions? No, I I, th- I think that was a great conversation. I want to thank Ed, you know, for coming on and spending some time here with us this evening and answering some questions with us and giving us a little insight on what's going on in the industry out there. Yeah, thanks again, Ed. I appreciate it. Um, I guess we'll just kind of, do you have any questions for us? I don't. Glad to see you guys uh, starting up the podcast. Love the direction you're going and uh, wish you nothing but success. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I know uh, maybe... Coming up at an event, we have to we could do a live uh, episode and get it recorded for next season. That'd be great. Sure. So. Let us know how we can help. Wonderful. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, uh, looking at um, next week, we're going to have uh, no guests on. It's just going to be Donnie and I talking. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, again, uh, as usual, if you have anything you guys want us to talk about, uh, feel free to send us a message, uh, email us uh, at podcast at gmail.com. Uh, also check our Facebook page. Um, you can message us there. Uh, and until next time, uh, have a good week. Nice meeting you, Donnie. I don't believe we've ever actually had a conversation until now. So yeah. I, I just know you as the guy that put Taylor Swift on the map. <laughs> I've never heard of Taylor Swift until Skywars last year, and you did that. Now she's at the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we've interacted off and on a couple of times, you know, at some events and stuff like that, but yeah, just very casually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, let's wrap it up. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Thanks, Thank gents. This has been another episode of Pyro Unleashed. Come back each week for more industry insights, technical tips, and awesome pyro designs. Have fun out there, be safe, and as always, remember to unleash your inner pyro with us.